Hello, 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 and welcome to the Blue Oval Podcast. I am your host, Ben Weissel, and with me as always, the leader of the stridereport.com, Garrett Zatlin. How's it going, man? It's going well. Uh, if Tifers ever starts charging for their website, I better get a discount because <laughs> I am pretty much like the only one who generates as much traffic as I do. So I'm, I'm just saying. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, refreshing T-first waiting for all the results to get put in and get ready for the podcast. I think all of us at the Stride Report have definitely spent our fair share on that website. Um, My eyes are burning. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so many results. So, so many, many results. Yeah, we don't sleep. It's okay. Um, <laughs> so, welcome to another episode, guys. Um, thank you guys for listening. Um, we want to get again push the apple review and ratings we really need those from you guys we would appreciate if you guys can leave us a rating and review on apple podcasts um make sure that you follow us on spotify these things really help us spread the word um and make the podcast bigger and reach more people so that these people can become more enlightened on ncaa running because who wouldn't want to be more enlightened on this subject i don't know I would want to be. Absolutely. I mean, who? I, I think everyone should have their eyes burning from tea first from time <laughs> to time. Um, but we really appreciate uh, you guys doing all you all that you do. But continue to spread the word. Continue to tell people to listen to the pod and rate. We really do appreciate it. Um, and remember, if you guys do leave a review, we will uh, we will read it on the podcast and. If you have any questions in there, that's a good spot to put it, right, Garrett? Yep, absolutely. Leave them all in there and uh, go help us out. Go help out that algorithm. All right, well, let's jump right in about the conference meets. We just talked about that. Um, let's start with the ACC. A lot going down on the men's and women's side. We'll start with the men. Syracuse taking home the win over Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, and Virginia tying but I believe Virginia Tech getting the edge on the tiebreaker. Peter Sufer beating out Yara Nagusi for the individual title. I think the big story, though, Garrett, is the team that wasn't in the top four, and that is NC State. What do we make of this performance from them? It was really concerning. Um, and we had some you know, some intel that J.P. Flavin was injured and working with injuries and that this was going to be an issue moving into the postseason, and sure enough, it was. But we also didn't see Joe Bistritz, or at least, you know, as I do one last final quick look. Yep, no, he was he was out just as we just as we thought. Um, but you know, you 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 start losing some really key names in the middle of this lineup, and really, it was a pretty significant drop off um, after after Shanklin and Gainer. So. Um, concerning the the idea of what their postseason hopes are, are going to look like is is now very up in the air. Luckily, they scored a lot of big Colos points at Joe Piani, but uh, it'll be interesting to see you know how this team is going to handle the regional meet going forward. Yeah, because they're going to be racing a lot of these same teams: Virginia, Virginia Tech at the Southeast Regional, throw in Eastern Kentucky as well as Furman, and. Even if they do have all those Colossus points, it's not going to help them a ton if they finish fifth or sixth at regionals. Also, a pretty decent Charlotte team that will be tough to beat if they're not on full strength either. Agreed. Um, but 
as we have just seen, I think this is a good race uh, to remind ourselves of this. Things can change very quickly. Yes. The Syracuse Orange. I don't think anyone was really expecting this again without Aiden Tooker, and yet they were able to pull out another ACC title, avenging their loss to Notre Dame last year. A little bit of role reversal from last year where Notre Dame came in as the big favorite this year, or maybe not big favorite, maybe they were preseason, but maybe not coming into this race. And Syracuse stole the show. Um, I don't know what this means about them on the national level. I'm a little underwhelmed about the ACC as a whole, but props to the Orange coming back, especially without Tucker. Ben, I have a question for you. Oh boy, here we go. Who had the bigger surprise win? Was it the Utah women at Joe Piano or was it the Syracuse men at ACCs? Man, that's a good one. I have not thought about that at all. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with the Utah women just because it's so off the radar and I just didn't really know much about the Utah women. But that's that's close because Syracuse Agreed. just looked dead in the water. Like It just didn't seem like it was going to happen for them. And maybe they're even more of a surprise than Utah. If you told me before the race they didn't have Aiden Tucker, I might have been able to say, all right, they're going to get Tucker back and they'll they'll run better than they did two weeks ago. But without him, with pretty much the same lineup to do that much better, I I'm it's truly shocking. It is astounding. I have no idea how they did it. Uh, they Well, I mean, they had great pack running. But, I mean, you look at those Nutty Cone results, no way – no way are they coming back to win this ACC title. It just doesn't happen. Their season looks like it was in serious jeopardy. They probably would have still qualified for nationals, but it looked like it was in serious jeopardy. And then out of nowhere, they just completely saved their season and completely redeemed themselves with a massive win uh, over Notre Dame. I, I'd, I'm just still kind of at a loss for words. I don't know how that happened, especially without Aiden Tucker. That's the kicker. Yeah, and another disappointing result for Notre Dame. Uh, good running by Jared Nagus, and Dylan Jacobs continues to run well in his breakout season this year. Uh, he's been everything that I think Notre Dame probably wanted out of him. It's been fellow, uh, fellow not freshman now, I guess he's a sophomore, but fellow recruiting classmate Danny Kilray, who has been underwhelming another subpar performance considering where he was last year and the Irish just can't seem to get any momentum going in the positive direction right now yeah and it's really wasn't that bad of a performance I mean I think Syracuse just had the better pack and they just took full advantage of that in the grand scheme of things Notre Dame really didn't run that poorly but agreed yeah if Kilrea runs to his best this is Notre Dame's to lose you know they they had two five fourteen. I mean they were seven points ahead on the one spot, five points ahead on the two spot, one point ahead on the three spot, and then they were seven points behind on the four spot, eleven points down on the five spot. And it was really that back end. You know and you're allowed. You know the fourth runner finishing twenty third, not bad at all. Matthew Carmody ran well, but Kilray has got to be somewhere in that top ten or at least the top fifteen or at least the top twenty. Yeah. He's got to be somewhere in there. Um, you know, I'm not saying this is going to come down to one runner. Anyone could have stepped up and helped. But, um, yeah, just Notre Dame's still not a bad team. They're still pretty decent. It was a good performance. But uh, just, just five points too short uh, for a really upstart, strong Syracuse team. 
Yeah, and a few quick hitters here. I think Wake Forest ran a pretty solid race to finish fifth. Um, only 16 points behind Virginia Tech and Virginia. Good performance from them. Florida State were a little underwhelming. Not a terrible race, but to come in sixth and be so far behind uh, the three, four, and five teams. A little bit surprising considering how well they've run throughout the year. Uh, Casey Neville Bard was another good low stick for them, but they struggled a little bit on their fourth and fifth runners. Um, uh, but any other things before we head to the women's side, Garrett? Uh, nothing in particular. Florida State, it wasn't their best race of the season, but they're they're not bad. They will be okay. Shout out to Wake Forest. They ran well. Jack Tiernan stepped up after working through so many injuries to finish eighth overall. He was a big reason why the Deacons did well this past weekend. Looking at the women's side now, the results, NC State one over Florida State two, and Notre Dame was three. Ellie Hennes took home the title, and I don't know if you saw, Garrett, the stat that her mom and dad were both individual ACC title winners, and I can't imagine that anybody else has ever done that in cross-country, much less any other individual sport. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know that her dad was also... ACC title winners, but not only that, her mom at the ACC championships from 1989 to 1991, her mom placed fourth at the ACC championships, second at the ACC championships, and first at the ACC championships. Ellie Hennis, in the past three years, she finished fourth at the ACC championships, second at the ACC championships, and now first at the ACC championships, exactly like her mom did, who is now the head coach. That is wild. That is insane. That does not happen. That's incredible. Ah, oh, man. Some Halloween magic going on there. Something, Halloween something magic. spooky. Is uh, that Halloween? What? Uh, was, was that on Halloween? Uh, it was what? Halloween was Friday? Oh, it was November 1st. Oh, uh, what kind of Halloween, though? Yeah, we'll that's, Halloween. Man, that's, that's close. Um, that's funny. Uh, looking at also at the women's results, you mentioned this, Garrett, on your kind of first thoughts article but the unc women eighth place performance but you think there's a little bit more potential uh with them right i do so morgan ilse was actually a dnf in this race she has been the top runner for north carolina all season long she's been incredibly strong uh and she's been able to compliment Paige hofstead who finished fifth at the acc championships this past weekend uh this past friday if ilse even finishes around 10th place which is super realistic then North Carolina is able to cut off about 57 points roughly, uh, and they are able to jump pretty far ahead, actually ahead of fourth place Virginia Tech, and now all of a sudden that Miltonburg effect suddenly comes into play, and we're talking about the Tar Heels in a much better light than we would uh, when going through the results this past weekend. Yeah, absolutely, and that's something I missed the first time looking through the results, but that's that's a really good point, and yeah, I It'll be interesting to see what the conversation is like for the UNC men and women's programs over the next few years and what Milk can do. Um, but looking at another result, um, I was pretty pleasantly surprised with Florida State women. They've been solid all year, but only 12 points behind NC State, who ran a, a very, very solid race and is, in my opinion, a outside shot at reaching the podium. For Florida State to keep it close I really like this team, and I like them more every time I see them race. I think this is a top 10 team in the making. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely love what we saw from the Seminoles. 
this past weekend. Lauren Ryan, coming out of nowhere, she wasn't even a scorer for this team at pre-nationals. She comes out of nowhere, finishes as the team's top runner in sixth place, leads Funderburk and Skyring, uh, who also had top 10 finishes. I mean, you really look at this Florida State team, they weren't that far off from you know each scoring spot of what we saw from NC State. You know, they were only five points off of the number one spot, four points off of the number two spot. They actually had the better number three. They were only two points off of the four spot and only three points off of the five spot. Really, the, the dynamic of this lineup is not that far off of NC State. They're just slightly, you know, off by a few places. And I love that one, two, three punch they've, they've been able to develop. Um, I wish they were maybe a little bit more consistent, um, but still, like, that's – that's a great team, and I think they're going to be a top ten team come nationals. Absolutely, it, it's it, they've been one of the surprise teams. I think there are a lot of teams out of the South region that we thought could be in that top two: uh, Florida State, Ole Miss, Florida, Georgia, maybe even. And Florida State's just been the clear top uh, team coming out of that region, and it'll be really fascinating to see how they do at NCAA's. But uh, let's shift gears. Let's head to the Big Ten. The men results were as follows. Wisconsin 1, Indiana 2, Michigan 3, Purdue a surprise fourth place finish with Oliver Hoare taking the win over George Cush. It was, we, we had a lot of confidence, I remember, when we were talking about the Big Ten preview uh, last week in Purdue taking home the win. We really liked their top three. We thought they'd run really consistently all year. We thought they were kind of the the big favorite to be number one. And then we had, I think, a little bit of difference in opinion on who would come in second. But Wisconsin ran a really, really good race. Oliver Hoare leading the way. Uh, Olin Hacker had a very solid race as well. Should we read too much into Purdue's poor performance? We shouldn't read too much into Purdue's poor performance, we should read into Wisconsin's win. I think this was a really big statement win for them. But I think when you look at this field, this race, the Big Ten race, was really only down to four teams. Wisconsin, Indiana, Michigan, Purdue, right? This That was really kind of the only, the only teams here. Meanwhile, the women's side, there was like seven or eight teams where they were the whole pretty conference. much the entire, it was the entire <laughs> conference pretty much, like at this point, um, that really kind of dominated that race. Um you know, I think Purdue's low sticks, those top three, well, they have much more of an impact in larger fields. And we've seen that, at, whether it be Joe Piani or whether it be Nuttycomb, they've thrived in those lar- larger races. But in this smaller, more condensed field where really only four teams are battling with each other, the the, the low sticks and the difference between the teams number one, two, or three is, is simply just not as potent. So I'm not ready to necessarily blame or go after Purdue and say, oh, they they underwhelmed. I, yes, they underwhelmed. Yes, I would have liked to see more from their back end. And I still think there's plenty of room to improve. I don't think this was great. But with the way that that field was set up, I think they're actually set up to do better come the national championships. Yeah, and I think that's a, a fair reasoned analysis no hot takes baked in there. Um, I I I would tend to agree. I I'm not too concerned about Purdue. I I was impressed by Wisconsin and Indiana. Both I think ran pretty solid races. Um, Arjun Jaw gave Indiana a really solid third score in the 12 spot. Um, 
but it, it just I don't know I I'm fascinated to see how Wisconsin does in larger meets um, they they haven't been super impressive in any of the meets coming into this but maybe maybe they're turning flipping the switch maybe Oliver Hoare is a top 10 guy at NCAAs this year maybe Olin Hacker is an all-american this year maybe the back end is a little bit stronger uh than in past jackson sharp in 15th ran a solid race as did um ben and and i didn't i didn't i didn't i didn't i didn't i think it's that i think that's it i didn't shake both both those guys if both in the top 15 i mean if they can keep that up then this is a team that if they were only a few places behind brody smith who we've talked about all year as a valuable member of that top three in purdue um NCAA meet is a crapshoot. You can't translate conference meets into NCAAs all the time, but sometimes you can. Sometimes teams are riding the momentum of the postseason. It'll be really fascinating to see this Wisconsin team at regionals where they'll face a lot of these same teams and see if they can replicate that performance. Yeah, I still have some minor, very, very minor concerns. The back end's still a little young. It's still a little inexperienced. There's a few pretty minor gaps. But for the most part, this is a team that has progressively gotten better with each and every week. They've, you know, closed up some of their areas of weaknesses. Um, they're going to be good. They're going to be pretty solid in, in the postseason. Um, I like what we've seen from them so far. Um, they've at least made steps in the right direction, and that's the good thing uh, about this. Let's move on to the women's side. As you mentioned, there were plenty of national caliber teams on the women's side. Michigan State was the team that came out on top, beating Wisconsin. Michigan in third, Penn State in fourth. Alicia Monson took home the win, again proving that she is a NCAA individual title favorite. It seems like Michigan State is kind of sneaking up on us a little bit. They surprised us two weeks ago, but definitely have proven that they're not a fluke. And to be a very good Wisconsin team, I am super impressed by them. Their top five was extraordinarily good. Do we think that we should have the? Should we have? I guess a good question for you, Garrett. Who is the better podium contender, Wisconsin or Michigan State? Oh, that's tough. Because I, I think Michigan State's the better team. I think they're the better team. Period. But who the better podium contender is is a little bit different because Wisconsin has the better top four. They they had the better top four throughout this race, um, and they only dropped off at number five. And I think that top four at nationals becomes so, 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 so valuable. And as long as the number five runner doesn't fall off to a hundred and gosh, a hundred seventieth, eightieth place then things start to get kind of interesting. Um, now, you know, I, I'm, I'm not saying that it's not going to be an issue moving forward, but I think that top four, as long as the number five isn't one of the last few runners across the line, becomes pretty valuable. So it, it all kind of depends on what you want. Do you want the security, safety, and consistency of the Michigan State top five, or do you want the firepower with the uh, possible back-end uh, you know, how do I say this possible back end vulnerability for Wisconsin? So it'll be interesting to see moving into nationals. Um, I'm going to probably say Wisconsin uh, to answer your question. 
Yeah, I it's it's hard to turn down that that top four. Alicia Monson, Amy Davis have been really good as a top two. Um, they're going to be Monson's obviously going to be in the top five. We should expect Davis to be probably a top twenty runner as well. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to say that. I mean, Annie Fuller will be an All American. I feel good in saying that. Geraldine Poe. Uh, India Johnson, Lindsey Graham, Jenna Magnus. It's it's harder to say whether or not they're going to be in that All American mix, and if they're, if Michigan State's pack is in the 80s or 60 60s to 80s, then all, all of a sudden, even though they have that better fifth runner, it might not matter very much. I I am a little bit more down on Wisconsin's chances at a top four finish after this. Um, I'm not going to overreact too much, but I do think that fifth runner is going to be a little bit of a problem um but looking at the individual race one thing that kind of stuck out to me was i was curious to see how erica vanderland would do in her first conference meet she quitted herself pretty well sixth place performance but i was thinking that she might be in range of the top three on a good day do you think she's going to be able to be a top 20 kind of performer at ncaa's for michigan this year yeah, I, I do think Vanderlyn could probably be a top 20 finisher at NCAAs. I think I'm a little more confident in Washington's Melanie Smart. I always do remain cautious about certain freshmen on the national stage, but Vanderlyn's been a consistent front runner this entire year. She's actually done better in big invitationals, so I'm not really too too worried about her this year. Um, I think she's going to do fine. and. Uh, yeah, I, I would still put her in as, as a top 20 finisher come NCAAs. I don't know how far into the top 20 I would put her, but I still like her inside the top 20. Makes sense. Uh, one last point on the women's race. It was a really close battle for fourth, which fourth of the Big Tens is much better than probably top three in any other conference. Penn State was fourth, but Ohio State, Illinois, and Minnesota were all within seven points. Did anybody's performance stick out to you in a positive way? I think we got to keep crediting the women of Minnesota. They lose two huge low sticks in the Has Twins, and somehow they're still nationally relevant. They're still beating top Big Ten contenders. They're the favorites to be a top two finisher at the Midwest Regional Championship. It is so unbelievable that they continue to stay competitive and mix it up with these top teams. I'm, I'm just consistently blown away by how resilient they have been despite losing you know, like losing two low sticks like that who make up so much of your scoring. Not having them, I mean, that, that's usually a death sentence for a team during a season, and this team has only rallied despite not having them. Yeah, it's crazy. I wrote. I will be the first one to say I wrote them off after seeing the redshirt news. I didn't think that they were going to have any chance in NCAAs. So what they've done, just a testament to working together as a team, facing adversity. It's a great model of what every good cross-country team should be. So I, I think you're right to highlight how incredible they've been so far. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've been talented. And I like Illinois a lot. I like Ohio State a lot. I like... Penn State a little bit more as we enter the postseason. I didn't necessarily love them in the middle and the beginning of the season. Um, but yeah, there, there, there was a lot of good teams that they were able to stay competitive with. And uh, man, the Big Ten's fun. It's it's wild. I, I mean, just seeing Minnesota 
in seventh, I was like, that's insane. They're a good team, and they're in seventh. Um, well, a good team in seventh, but like just the fact that they were within yeah, with, seven yeah. points of Penn State, like that's what boggles my mind. Like only a point behind this team, so I know they didn't necessarily beat those teams, but to even just stay that close and that competitive with them is really impressive. Absolutely. Let's move on to the Big Twelve championships, starting with the men's side. Iowa State took home the title once again, beating out Oklahoma State, and Texas was third. Edwin Kurgat beat Asai Rodriguez for the second year in a row to take home the individual title, making his debut. Ryan Smeaton of Oklahoma State coming in third, really good sign for the Cowboys. Unfortunately for the Cowboys, Ashnafai Hate Hat is. I think it's uh, Ashnafai Hate. I could be Hatte. wrong. Okay, I, we will go with that. Um, <laughs> did not finish. It's a little bit of good news and bad news for Oklahoma State. Should we take this as a positive sign for Oklahoma State's NCAA's chances or a negative? This is definitely got to be a negative because it's one thing if if you're a DNF, right? It's one thing. It's like, all right, sometimes these things happen. They're flukes. Maybe there's pacing involved, whatever it is. But this is the second race in a row that Hate has now gone and recorded a DNF. The first one being pre-Nats a few weeks ago. Now, second time in a row, he's recorded a DNF. This is concerning because they needed that scoring potency and that firepower and the expectation was that they were going to enter this postseason with Rodriguez, Smeaton, and Hate, and that this was going to be a completely different team that was going to contend for some big points. And let's say you know he finishes for, you know fourth overall, you're cutting off 16 points, and now you're starting to creep a little bit closer to a very, very, very good Iowa State squad. So. Um, it, it kind of depends. I mean, if they can still put something together and finish at the top two of the Midwest region, they're going. And they also picked up another likely call-off point by beating Texas. So not all hope is lost, but man, it would have been really nice to have Hate in there. Yeah, I mean, they would have had a better top three than Iowa State if he had been able to finish up there with Smeaton. I think that's what they did last year. They had a really strong top three that was able to compete with Iowa State at least through their first three runners, it just doesn't seem like that's going to be the case this year. Um, it is good to see Smeaton run so well. I know we got a question last year, or not last year, last week, um, about if Smeaton was a little bit overrated coming into this year as a steeplechaser. I think this proves that uh, he's going to be really good this year. Um, 10 seconds behind Rodriguez, who's been running well so far this year. I think he's definitely going to be on the All-American bubble and just makes the Hate loss that much more excruciating because if Hate was an All-American as well, then we're looking at three in the top 40 for Oklahoma State and giving them a real top 10 potential at NCAAs. But as it stands, they're going to be on the fringe, like you said, of NCAAs. Yeah, it's such a shame. And I mean, it's they, they can still make it. You know, we shouldn't just completely write them off yet. There's a few coloss scenarios that need to go their way, um, and, and we'll have those. You know, later this week, or if not this week, then definitely next week. But the idea of this being, you know, 
Hate kind of makes the difference. The idea of having a, that big three makes all the difference. Their depth was very good. It was actually much better than I expected it to be, uh, finishing 14th, 19th, and 20th overall in the race, but um, it would have been nice to have that extra firepower. Looking at the women's side, Oklahoma State did take home the victory on the women's side. Texas finishing runner-up, West Virginia third. Kelly Logue taking home the individual title. I know both of us had kind of talked ourselves into West Virginia making a splash and taking home the title, but that upset pick did not quite come to fruition. No, it didn't, but... The top three were all separated by four points. Oklahoma State 52, Texas 54, West Virginia 56. So the upset pick may not have worked out, but gosh, they were so close. And it was it was really actually pretty tight. Both teams, uh, both Texas and West Virginia, actually had the better top three, while Oklahoma State, um, no, I shouldn't say the better top three, but they actually both had uh, all three of their uh, runners inside the top 10, but Oklahoma State only had two runners inside the top 10. Um, Just a unique dynamic in terms of how each of these teams succeeded at this meet. But Oklahoma State won, but it could have very easily been Texas or West Virginia with a few things going uh, each team's way. And I'm I'm just realizing how close this was, but if West Virginia's 6th and 7th runners, who were 20th and 21st, could have pushed back Oklahoma's fifth runner who is 19th then that starts changing the dynamics a little bit adds two more points to Oklahoma State gets maybe West Virginia a few points closer it's the beauty of cross country the sixth and seventh runners even though they don't score can make a difference in a race this close that's I yeah I didn't realize the how how that the sixth and seventh runners really could have made a difference but goes to show you every person counts yeah, and, and let's talk about real quick. And Iowa State, fourth place, that's tough. That's tough. They just had a tough, tough year. Uh, they haven't really been able to rebound after losing Ann Frisbee to graduation and uh, Amanda Vestry to a transfer. Um, they're kind of in that rebuilding stage, but there's going to be a lot to rebuild from uh, after this weekend. Uh, only three inside the top 20. Um, now, granted, all five were inside the top 30, but – uh, just just at each scoring spell a little bit too far behind. So uh, I'm hoping they're rebound. This is actually this is historically a very strong team. Um, it'll kind of be interesting to see how they do moving forward, especially with the recruiting. Yeah, and I, I would expect them to bounce back. This shouldn't be maybe not next year, but the year after. I, I, I can't imagine this is a program that's going to be outside of the NCAA picture for more than two or three years. Um. But let's move on to the SEC, where I know you mentioned this uh, earlier. You were wondering if the men's course was short. I know on the live results, it said it was about 150 meters short. Um, I don't know if that's even accurate, because some of the times, like last year, were very, very quick. Um, Ole Miss, though, took home the win convincingly over Alabama in second, Arkansas was third. Vincent Kiprop and Gilbert Keegan took the top two spots individually. Uh, gotta like what we saw from Alabama's top three. Uh, Noel Rotich ran a solid race, finishing uh, in 10th position. But again, it's that four and five that really struggled for the Crimson Tide 
and when we're looking ahead at the South Regional and they're going to have to be able to beat or try to at least compete with MTSU and Florida State, it's hard to imagine that they're going to be able to even with their top three running really, really well. Yeah, Alabama, unfortunately, that's just... At, at the SEC championships, a conference that's truthfully not that deep, it's not that great. Like I, and I hate to be critical, but it's usually Ole Miss, Arkansas, and Alabama year in year out. You know, there's really just not a whole lot there. And to have your bottom two scorers finish by 35th and 42nd, that's probably not going to cut at the South Regional meet. This is a different story if we actually have Ilya Kipsang running like we thought he would, and if he's actually even half as good as we thought he could be but yeah this this looks like it's going to be kind of the end of alabama's national qualifying hopes unless they somehow get a push scenario they finish third and, and you know a couple things go their way and maybe they get another standout performance from uh james brinyark but whatever it may be uh that that bottom two you know it just it's continue it's been an issue like this for years now this has been a common theme for them uh, for quite some time. So uh, nothing new here, but uh, is is kind of interesting to see how that will unfold at the regional meet. One interesting thing that I picked up on looking at the results for Ole Miss, Cole Bullock, for the freshman for the Rebels, had run unattached all year, but this, this weekend the red shirt was taken off, and he responded with a ninth-place performance, which is huge. For Ole Miss, for an Ole Miss team that has been very uh, reliant on their top five, they haven't really had anybody to protect them in case their top five did not run well. And in this scenario, Parker Scott had a little bit of an off day, finishing 24th, um, and he's been in their top five all year. And Bullock stepped up and kind of saved the day. And a lot, of, I mean, they would have won either way, but. He, he really did solidify their top five. And when we're talking about Ole Miss as a potential top 10, top 15 team at NCAAs, it's good to know that they have at least six guys who can be in that top five and that there isn't such a variance that could occur if one of their top guys doesn't run well. Yeah, that's a great observation. I totally missed that. Great run by Cole Bullock. Um, beats out Alabama's number three runner, Noah Rotich. Um, yeah, I don't know how much scoring potency this adds to the team, but certainly makes them a whole lot more stable, a lot more reliable. It makes me uh, feel a lot more comfortable about this team on the bigger stage heading into nationals. Looking on the women's side, Arkansas took home a very convincing win, beating Ole Miss in Mizzou. Katie Izzo beating teammate Taylor Werner for the individual title. The Razorbacks continue to roll. They haven't looked like they've been vulnerable really at all in any race. They've been dominant. They were dominant. They took this race out. They were out in a very, very quick speed um, or the first mile. They just gapped the field. It, it was I was watching on uh, ESPN, and they just strung the field out super quick. Um, Werner and Izzo were up there with Joyce Camellia of Auburn and Karina Villowen was in there. Um, Lauren Gregory was hanging on for in that pack for a while. She ended up finishing ninth as Arkansas's fifth runner. I think if we're looking at Arkansas as a national title favorite, 
Lauren Gregory's ninth place performance makes me feel even better because I think ultimately it'll come down to her and how close she can get to that top four because that top four has just been unbelievable all year. And Izzo, a great story coming into Arkansas this year, running extremely well and taking home the SEC title, which I don't think anybody saw coming. I really like this Arkansas team. I don't. I know we shouldn't overreact too much because this isn't a. They're not up against great competition, but another really, really good performance for them. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Um, I try not to overreact to this. I, I don't. I don't put too much stock into Izzo beating Warner. But the thing I do put a lot of stock in is that Maddie Reed, thirteenth place. She was their number six runner. I had kind of been saying this entire time that hey. Arkansas is really good through five, and if their five run as well as we expect them to, this is going to be a team that easily wins the the national title. But on the off chance that even if one runner has a bad day, they need someone else to step up or else their national title hopes are gone. Seeing Maddie Reed keep it within four spots of their number five runner, really nice. The fact that she was only within you know, four spots of Lauren Gregory, really encouraging, good from a depth perspective. That's probably my biggest takeaway from this, uh, from this meet. Yeah. I didn't even notice that, but that's, that's a good point that if they have six, much like we talked about with the Ole Miss men, having that just really balances out their squad in a good way. Ole Miss women look solid second place performance, nothing to get too excited about, but I think they kind of stabilized the ship a little bit. Um, and after looking maybe a little shaky, at pre-nationals i think they're a good bet to make it out of the south region um but gary you want to move on to the pac-12 let's do it let's make it happen all right on the men's side colorado took home the win oregon in a surprise second place and third was stanford ucla four washington was fifth joe klecker taking home the individual title edging out cooper tier we thought it would be a two-team race between Colorado and Stanford, but we kind of forgot about Oregon, or we just underestimated Oregon. They came up in a big way to finish second. Does this say more about Stanford or Oregon? Oh, um, I think this probably says more about... Oh, man, I don't know. Stanford. Let's go Stanford. I think this says more about Stanford. Um, I, I think this has got to come down to a point of Faye and Parsons coming into the season were expected to be these All-American candidates, guys that were going to be on the fringe of finishing inside the top 20 at the NCAA meet, but at the very least maybe you know top 30 and definitely no worse than top 40. But that has not at all been the case. Osberg and Radcliffe have pulled their weight. And, and the depth has been pretty solid. Like if you had told me that their top four was going to perform as expected, their number five runners have been really, really good. Their depth is really good. But they don't have that additional scoring potency that was going to give them the edge. If you, know, if, if you go back and go back to the preseason and told me how these guys were going to perform this year, I wouldn't have put Stanford at the number one spot. We wouldn't have put Stanford at the number one spot. But... <laughs> You know that's that's what happened. Um, you know it, they they just don't have the same scoring potency. They need that scoring potency, and it's clearly now g- kind of dripping into the postseason, and it's affecting them. Oregon ran great. Nothing against Oregon, but for a team that we originally thought could be in contention for the national title, it looks like that's not necessarily in play right now. Yeah, I. 
I was a little bit heartened to see Fahey finish 16th. I know that's not obviously what we would expect from a runner his caliber, but I think that is a step in the right direction. He kind of put himself out there and Agreed. in position. And I think maybe give him three weeks, Stanford will probably chill at regions. Um, maybe we can see an even better Fahey at uh, NCAAs. And same for Parsons. Parsons was... Parsons has actually run better than Fahey all year, um, but finishing 22nd that after being, I think he was third maybe last year, um, it, it, or in the top 10 at least, um, just very underwhelming. Clayton Mendez, like you said, if he was their five guy at 21st, it would be fine, no worries. Uh, but just not having that top four who we all thought were going to be in the top 10 in a race like this, it uh, really does limit their ceiling when we're talking about them as a potential top two, top three team. Um, but looking, but ta- talking about Oregon, they ran a very good race. No, 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 Affolder again, but just Cooper Tier, second place, just a superstar performance. Kind of what we were expecting to see out of him this cross country season after a great track season. Um, it does it does leave me wondering are they just a really good small meat team they did really well at bill dillinger did really well at pac 12s but in the bigger meets haven't done the same which leaves me to worry a little bit about their chances at ncaa's Ooh, that's such a good take i love that take so much that's a that's a really I've been brewing interesting on that one thing. for a little while that's that's been good i haven't thought about that that makes some really interesting sense. I I don't know if I completely disagree with you on that one. Yeah, they they might be a better small team meet. Uh, I'm sorry, small meet team. Um, it makes sense. Their scoring potency, you know, they're able to match up and negate some of the scoring potency from all these other top tier teams. Their depth comes in. It's got a good middle supporting lineup. Yeah, I, I I don't totally dislike that take. That that very well might be the case. Um, I guess we'll we'll kind of see at nationals. Um, the regional meets I, I don't really ever put too much stock into because those meets are more about qualifying than they are about proving your talent. But um, I guess we'll see at nationals. But I don't totally think that's an that's an unfair statement. Um, you know, I don't know how much larger or smaller Pac-12s need to get to kind of meet that criteria, but I, I kind of like that idea. It's kind of an interesting take. Yeah, yeah, I, and we'll see if that's proven correct at NCAAs, but I mean, they if you would have just looked at their Pac-12 performance and Bill Dillinger, where they beat BYU, this is a team that you're like, oh, they're, they're probably going to be in the top five, top six at NCAAs, but then they I think they were, what, 10th at Nuttycomb? Um, mm-hmm. yeah, it, I'm, I'm very curious. I think Cooper tier is going to be top 20 guy at NCAAs. I think what it really does come down to is, will that James West, um, Jackson Messler, Charlie Hunter group, and, uh, even Cole Hawker too, can they match the same potency that they showed in the pac 12s at NCAAs where they can be in maybe the top 60? Because if that's the case, then they're going to run just as well as they did at Pac-12s and show that they're a team that could beat Stanford once again. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's all going to matter of if they can keep that pack together and if that pack can continuously move up in the team standings and the team scores come nationals. So um, we'll see. I, I liked what we saw this past weekend. Um, we have them now ranked at TSR number six. We'll, we'll see what happens moving forward. But um, yeah, I, I like Oregon, but I also like your take a lot too. All right. Well, also just cap off great performance by Colorado. I uh, can't say anything but good things. Just a startlingly good performance, honestly. Klecker taking home the win. Kashawn Harrison just pr- having this breakout season, coming in seventh, beating John Dressel. Um, Alex Hornecker running well, edging out Eduardo Herrera. I mean, they're Colorado's four and five runners are actually their two and four runners, um, beating out their more experienced guys, which leads me to believe that the Buffaloes could really have a chance at this number two spot at NCAAs. Yeah, yeah, they're looking really good. I, I worry a little bit about some experience, mainly with Kashawn Harrison and, and Horniker, but you know, now and now it's just, you know, being ticky tacky with it. Uh there there are two great, great teams. Um sorry, there are two great step up runners, not teams. Um and, and they have Kashawn Harrison and Alec Warner have stepped up in a big way for the Buffs, um, and, and they're a big-time team now. Looking at the women's side, Stanford took home the win in convincing fashion, taking the first three spots, beating out Washington in second, Utah was third, and Colorado losing again to the Utah women. They got a, I, I'm sure they just don't want to see that team anymore. Um, when they line up, no, um, they don't. A huge statement from the Stanford women. I was looking after looking at all these results. The three podium locks that I could come up with on the women's side are Arkansas, BYU, who just had Whitney Orton race, which is an awesome sign. We had talked about her in a previous episode when she had not raced at I think it was pre nationals. Um, and so for her to run, obviously be healthy, I think that puts BYU in a, as a lock in for the podium spot. And then Stanford, I think they have to be the third podium lock. Who that fourth team is going to be, I have no idea. It could be anybody um, really in that top six or seven that we have ranked. But I just can't get over how good Stanford were in this meet. So I'm going to be honest with you, I'm totally not at all surprised about how good Stanford was. <laughs> and now, did I expect him to go one, two, three? No, I didn't expect him to go one, two, three. But I was reading Sam's preview uh, of the meet, and I saw his predictions. Washington's going to upset and beat Stanford. <laughs> and I was like, no, they're not. And I started doing the individuals. I was like, oh, this runner place is here, this runner place is here. And I'm like, I, like even in my best case scenario for Washington – Stanford still wins. And, and and that just turned out to be the case. Stanford's more complete through five runners. You know, you would have had to hope that someone had had a pretty significant off day for things to get close. And even if they did, you know, like you, if even if you replace, gosh, is, is that, is that actually happened? Yeah. Even if you replace Stanford's top runner with their number six runner, I'm pretty sure they still win. I don't know if, if that happens after displacement or not, but like, I mean, it's still pretty much neck and neck with Stanford and Washington. So, um, yeah, I, I like Stanford a lot. I thought they were going to win. Wasn't too surprised here. 
Um, yeah, call call me call me unexciting, but that's just kind of what I feel like. <laughs> I I think everybody was just riding high off of Washington's win at pre nationals without Melanie Smart, um, and then putting her back in there. I thought they might have a chance. Lily Burden was a little bit further back in twenty first than I think Washington can afford. I think if they if she was up there in that top ten range, obviously they're still losing to Stanford, but it's a little bit of a closer race there. Um, and Stanford's top three just went out there and dominated. I, I thought Rainsberger or Smart would have a chance at breaking up that top three. I thought O'Keefe would be the winner, but uh, they just went out there and dominated. I mean, beating um, Lawson beat Rainsberger by three seconds, and I, I mean, it, w- it wasn't particularly close. So, uh, great, great win by Stanford. Uh, looking at Colorado, though, it's just been a disappointing season. Shouldn't take too much out of this race. Uh, Tabor Scholl had a rough race. Um, and if you throw her back in there and her normal spot, uh, finishing near teammate um, Sage Herda, then things get a lot more interesting. Colorado jumps Utah and is a lot closer to beating Washington. But it just things just haven't seemed to click for the Buffaloes this year. No, and, and part of it, I still actually think they did really well. If Tabor Scholl runs the ability that we think she can Colorado edges Utah in this race and uh, unfortunately though Colorado just hasn't been able to put all their pieces together that they have this season um, haven't been able to put it all together on the same day um, Holly Bent ran really well uh, Annie Hill stepped up ran very well and then uh, Rachel McArthur also running well finishing 18th overall but Tabor Scholl just falling back a little bit I think had Scholl finished, you know, where we thought she could, this actually ends up being a pretty decent performance. But after a while, I think we kind of have to accept that this is what this Colorado uh, team is. They don't have Emily Venters. They don't have Emily Cover. Doesn't look like they'll have them for this season. Um, and that's okay. Just kind of kind of be interesting to see what happens moving forward. Yeah, it just doesn't seem like they have that same scoring potency that we thought they would, even – Shoal and Herta, like we we haven't seen anything that would really validate a top twenty performance at NCAA's, um, and without that, it just it's hard for me to imagine them claiming a top five spot at NCAA's. Again, as I will always say, whenever I talk about Colorado women, Mark Wetmore will likely make that look wrong. But as it stands right now, I I just. I don't see it. Um, the Utah women, though, a nice little bounce-back race. Uh, nothing spectacular. Third-place performance. Um, they needed a little help from Colorado to get that third-place spot, but I thought this was a better reflection of where they actually are um, than their last two performance. Yeah, I agree. I love that top three. Uh, I think Poppy Tang finally had that one race that I was kind of hoping she could have um, and it kind of really validated her as well as the rest of her teammates as true low sticks. Uh, you know, Tank finishing sixth, Bella Williams in seventh, Serafini being that's such a key, you know, third runner in 10th place overall. Pretty major drop back after that. Fourth and fifth runners were 27 36, but I still like the Utes. I still think they did incredibly well. I like that to be Colorado, and uh, we'll see what happens moving forward. 
Absolutely. Let's look at our last conference. Uh, but Mount, looking at the Mountain West, the men side, Utah State took home the win. Colorado State were second. Wyoming was third. Boise State finishing all the way back at fourth, a team that we thought would be at least in the top two, all the way in fourth. Dallin Farnsworth, the BYU transfer, took home the win. I, Utah State has just been quietly impressive this whole entire year, and I think even though the Mountain West just isn't as strong as it's been, I think this is a really impressive performance, winning by 32 points, uh, beating Colorado State and Wyoming teams that have under, been underwhelming, but a Boise State team that's been actually pretty solid this year. Um, I think this bodes well for Utah State going into regionals and NCAAs. I love what we saw from Utah State. They were great down Farnsworth being that low stick. A really good supporting cast in fifth and sixth place from Beattie and Withers. And then the four, five, six, seven runners all finishing within the top 23. I love the depth. I love the thoroughness of their lineup. I love their consistency. I love their progress and their development. I really don't see anything bad with this team. Uh, you know, are they, you know, like a NAU or are they like a Colorado? No, but for what they are, I mean, they've done an incredibly good job. They've put their head down. They have been strong on their own right. Yeah, I like Utah State a lot this year. Uh, they're now currently ranked 19th in our XCU Top 25. How worried are you about Boise State? Um, That's a good question, and I – haven't thought about it until now because that's how bad their performance was. Um, nah, I'm not super concerned about about them. I still think they can still get. I still think they're going to get into nationals. Um, how well they do at nationals, I don't quite know. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. They're going to make the national meet. They're definitely going to make the national meet. That that much I'm not concerned about. Um, even if some team with no points beats them, they can still probably push someone in. But it would have been really nice for them to not finish <laughs> in fourth place. That would have been ideal. But um, not great. But also Logan Reese, who was uh, one of their top runners. He's usually there. I think the number three or number two runner. Um, he was a DNF in this race. And if he actually finishes, um, they still don't really get all that close to Utah State. But, but they definitely uh, close the gap between them and the second, third-place teams, Colorado State and Wyoming. Definitely. I, I don't really have too much to add to that. I think Utah State's just been the, the clearly the best team in the conference, and even on an off day, I think I agree. Boise State should, should be able to qualify for NCAAs. Looking on the women's side, New Mexico took home the win, beating Air Force and Boise State. Winnie Kaladi took home a dominant victory beating teammate Edna Kurgot. New Mexico women taking home the victory even with Edva Cohen outside the scoring. How should we evaluate this New Mexico team as we get closer to NCAAs and with the return of Cohen, albeit not in a top five spot? That was such a weird development to see. You know, you think Cohen's coming back. Oh, they're going to win. And they do win, just she's not scoring. And that's the weirdest part. The whole thing that we had said about this team is there's not enough depth. There's not enough back end. You know, these teams that are deeper are, are going to make all the difference and they're going to get the best in New Mexico. 
But in a smaller field where I guess that gap between their top two and their bottom three was minimized, clearly it, it was advantageous to the Lobos who pulled away pretty easily. And Boise State had great, great depth, but it was all too far back. And Air Force was very solid and very thorough throughout you know, most of their top five, but for the most part, couldn't really put it all together at their fifth runner, and New Mexico could. I don't know what to think of this. I would like to see kind of how New Mexico does in a larger race, and unfortunately, I, I probably won't get to see them go all, all out until uh, nationals, so I'm still trying to figure them out. I still think they're okay. I still think they're good. I, I I don't know. Maybe they're just peaking at the right time. Maybe this is just just a great race for them. But in the larger meet so far, I haven't been totally sold on them. So until I see them in a larger race, I'm gonna wait and, and kind of see what happens. Um, and especially waiting to see if Avico is gonna be a top three scorer for them. Is this sacrilegious to ask? If Advocoen's going to run at NCAAs? Oh, you did not ask that question. <laughs> oh, wow. That is, I kind of thought in the back of my mind, it's like, what if they don't run her? But she's just too valuable. I, I think there's too much potential upside. The worst thing's worse is that she ends up as the seventh runner for the Lobos that day. But best case scenario is that they expect her to be the seventh runner and she's all of a sudden this All-American again. So I... I, I if if I'm Coach Franklin, I'm I'm not making I'm not leaving her home at all. I think there's way more upside uh, mm-hmm. taking her than there is leaving her at home. I I agree. I I it would be uh, I'm sure that would create a flurry of interesting comments if they left her out. Um, all right, well that'll wrap it up for the conference uh, recap. Let's just hit a few mailbag questions you guys sent in. Actually, a ton of mailbag questions um that we'll try to get through as quick as we can um but yeah keep sending those in guys um we really appreciate you guys send that sending in questions when we put the instagram bat signal up um we really do appreciate and let's get right into it um maybe starting with not really a question uh but a statement to paw three pete garrett thoughts yes those are my thoughts it happened Okay. Yes. Move, move, congrats, congrats to Paul. <laughs> nice job. Um, there's your mention to Paul. There you go. Um, Midwest versus South Central. Which region gets more teams to nationals in D two? In Division two, I like this question. Um, Midwest. I think there actually may be a few more options, um, and I think South Central. I think you have a lot more reliable options. So it all kind of depends on what you want. You know, you look at the men's sides like Saginaw Valley or Grand Valley State and Walsh and Southern Indiana and and uh, Michigan Tech. I actually think there's like a good number of, of Midwest teams there. Uh, but I, I think for the sake of the possible teams that could get out of there, I feel a lot more comfortable the, about the South Central regional teams that are going to come out there. I like Mines, Adams, Western, UCCS, and West uh, Texas A&M. Um, truthfully, I haven't seen too many results recently for tech, West Texas A&M, but uh, they have run well earlier in the year. I, I think I'm kind of going to go with a safer bet here. I'm going to say South Central, um, but someone could potentially you know, make the argument with me about the Midwest. Yeah, it was a lot tighter than I thought it would be. 
in your opinion, who is going to win the D2 national title? Will we see Armac or a non-Armac team? Uh, this is for both men and women. So they're talking about this on the Division Two side, the Rocky Mountain Athletic Conference. Um, the the men's side is going to come down to probably in our Mac school. Um, you know, I, I think it's probably going to be Colorado Mines, and if it's not Colorado Mines, Adam State's probably going to get in there. Maybe Western Colorado, um, Grand Valley State is like another contender that could potentially mix it up there. But I feel pretty confident that Colorado Mines is the heavy favorite right now. Don't think too many people are going to argue with me on that one. Who knows? Uh, on the women's side, it's a 50-50 toss. Uh, given between Adam State and Grand Valley State, I'm going to pick Adam State to win it all on the women's side just because they returned Stephanie Cotter. They res- uh, they returned the other Flanagan sister. And they've just got so much firepower. They were already super good without them. They're even better with them. Uh, so I'm going to take Mac on both sides, um, Adam State women and the Colorado Mines men. All right. Looking uh, at the next question, D2 regional predictions, question mark, South Central regional preview, question mark, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah. So those, I'm not, we're not really going to dive too deep into the previews yet, but those are coming. I was talking to John uh, a little bit towards the end of last week. They're already working super, super hard. They're going to get all of those regions covered previewed we're gonna have them out a little bit later this week i think this is coming out tuesday so you can expect them coming out thursday friday i imagine um not entirely sure on the timeline yet but previews are coming don't worry we're gonna get there why didn't colorado buffaloes get cole pepper sprout or olsen it is kind of interesting that these you know and, and these recruits being cruz cole pepper cole sprout connor olsen uh, Cole Pepper going to Washington, Cole Sprout going to Stanford, Connor Olsen going to Air Force, which is a little bit of a surprise. Um, it, it is kind of surprising to see some of these guys not choose Colorado. Um, but let me tell you, like, I, I can't say – I don't know too much about Air Force, but it's hard to turn down Stanford. I mean, that's just such a top-tier academic program. Elite, elite talent is already there. Um, you, you know, it's nice weather, California. Like, it, it's hard to say no to Stanford. Like, I, I kind of get it. Um, and then Washington, you know, I know someone who's currently speaking with Powell right now. And the idea that Powell is going to be selling off is that he can make you a sub four minute miler. And when he says that, he's probably right. <laughs> like, he's he probably right. He has the resume to back it up. And it's kind of hard when he's going to say, hey, look at all these guys that I've developed. And I'm not saying that Wetmore hasn't hasn't done that. But, you know, there's a reason why people are flocking to Washington in troves uh, as of late. Powell's just a really, really good recruiter. He's just one of the best in the nation. And, oh, by the way, he's one of the best coaches ever. Um I don't okay. I don't know about ever, but he, at least in this, <laughs> no, at least keep in the, the hyperbole. It's all yeah, right. It's all right. No, we're, we're, ever, at least <laughs> ever. I'm saying ever. No, um, at least within, uh, you know, at least within this era. So, um, I I don't know what to say about Colorado. Um, I, I'm not really going to blame them. I'm not going to blame Wetmore. Whoever they get, it doesn't matter. They're going to develop into studs anyways. Um, but. You know, sometimes like we forget that these are just high school kids that just want to figure out what where they're most comfortable. Um, I remember like I had the opportunity to run in college a few few uh, few options, but 
I just went where I was comfortable. So sometimes that's just where you need to go. Yeah, it's it's tough making like trying to make a trend out of high school boys decision making um, because the more you dig into that, the more or less rationale and reason you might find um, than than you might expect because at the end of the day, these guys are just going to go where they think is best and to say that Colorado is not going to be able to get in-state guys um, just based off of this one year uh, would be foolish. So I, I wouldn't make a huge deal out of it. I, w- would it have been nice for them to get these guys? Yes, but um, let's let's not worry too much about the Buffaloes. Um, next question, or not question, don't <laughs> sleep on George Cush. All right. Yes. Also another answer. By the way, Sam Ivanecki actually predicted him to win. So if if anything, we are not sleeping on George Cush. I personally would have picked him to finish runner up in the Big Ten, uh, which he did. So uh, definitely, we're definitely not sleeping on George Cush. I can promise you that. But the dude is a baller. He is so good. Cornhusker faithful. We like him. We we, th- we think he's good a runner. So don't don't worry about it. Um, what single switch in regional finishers? makes the biggest change in Coloss projections. We still have to do the Coloss projections. We still have to plug that into the calculator, work with uh, Bo Wagner over at xcquals.com. Go check it out. You have the link uh, on our Coloss page. Yeah, I'm going to probably go with either the NC State men or the Villanova men. If Villanova men, you know, take the Mid-Atlantic over Georgetown, you see it all those points that initially Georgetown gave to everyone throughout the season are now gone. Um, it's that or it's NC State because I think a lot of us expected NC State to kind of be this top two team and now they don't even look like a top five team in the Southeast region, it, depending on who you ask. Excuse me. Um, but it's it's kind of one of those deals where I'm probably going to say the Villanova men taking that next spot just because the teams who did beat NC State this season probably are, are going to get in regardless. So I'm going to probably say the Villanova men switching to that Mid-Atlantic auto, uh, automatic qualifying spot. Um, and who knows, maybe with Princeton falling back a little bit, maybe Penn hops in there into a top two spot. Uh, just a lot of in-betweens and, and iffy things that we don't totally know yet. Yeah, I think... Another thing to think about with NC State not making it is it could have a ripple effect in that maybe Virginia or Virginia Tech makes it in there and maybe they give out some points and maybe there's a little bit more of a ripple effect. And then if Virginia Tech and Virginia are making it in instead of NC State, is there an extra at-large spot that could suddenly be in there? And does that change the points up? I'm very curious to see what the the Colossus projections look like because I, I do think that that could have a bigger effect than maybe we realize. All right, let's do our one last serious question. Okay, then, yes. Uh, let's let's knock this out. All right, let's hit it. Uh, do any non-Kenyans have a real shot at winning on the men's side? No. Next question. Um, no, no. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. I think maybe Connor Mance. I think his aggressive front-running style is pretty good, but. Um, I mean, like maybe Ali Hor in like a tactical race, but no, I think it's going to come down to Kurgat and the Alabama duo. Um, I don't know, Ben, if you have any different thoughts, but that's kind of where I'm at. 
Yeah, I think Klecker and Ratcliffe on the right day. Maybe I've made the case for Ratcliffe if he if the stars align that he just seems to have this talent, and if it if it works out for him on the right day, he could challenge. But I I don't think I think Mance is the has been the most consistent um, non Kenyan to run this year. But I I think Kurgan and the Alabama guys are just too good. Um, but yeah, let's move on to. <laughs> these uh, a few quick uh maybe less serious questions how many route 44 blue coconut slushies does it take to recover from a long run do you say route R- yes or ra- root root route yeah whatever <laughs> uh, i couldn't i'm sorry i just couldn't help, help say that <laughs> i i how- don't know what accent i have I, i've lived in the south north and i have northern parents I, I don't know where that's coming from that's all right. It makes this podcast a lot more entertaining. Um, anyways, uh, blue coconut slushies does it take to recover from a long run? Um, however many it takes until you can't move. And <laughs> that's probably the best answer I have because then you're forced to, to take a nap. And I feel like that's that's the best part of recovery. Uh, I, I'd like to reverse this question. How, how many, how, how long... Or does it take for you to recover from a blue coconut oh, route good. 44 slushy uh, to be able to get ready for the long run? I, I don't, I mean, that could be, for me, Seven days. it, it yeah. could be a long time. I My stomach would not be prepared for a long time. Um, but yeah, let's move on. Rank your favorite members of One Direction why? Whichever ones don't make music anymore, those are my favorite ones, so... Can we hit a heart? I can we use a pass on this? I I, I think I, I don't. I actually don't opinion. know. I I, I um, who's the uh, who's the who's the one that's currently on the radio still? The is uh, uh, Harry is, yes, Styles? yes, is that it? yes. I, I think hate so. myself. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yes. Yeah. They. They. I think he has. He has a good song. So him. Okay. Sure. We'll go with wow. that. Great in-depth analysis right there. There you go. Uh, which wins in a fight, a bear-sized gorilla or a gorilla-sized bear? A bear-sized gorilla. Please tell me you're with me on that. My brain is bending right now. Um, it's a bear-sized gorilla. It has to be a bear-sized gorilla. Yeah, but maybe it would, would it, that be like too slow. Like I don't. Or, it's a gorilla. I, it's just a bear-sized gorilla. Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. I, I'll give you that. That's like not that much smaller than like an actual gorilla. Yeah, or even yeah, that's, bigger. that's I don't true. Know. Yeah, that's and that's what I was wondering. I was like, I don't think the sizes are that different. I don't think uh, maybe. Bad, no. Yeah, who knows? Um, last up, I think these questions may they they have to be related. Uh, maybe the same team or whatever. Who wins <laughs> in a fight? One horse sized. I think this is my favorite question. One horse sized Lopez Lemong. <laughs> Or five Lopez Lemong sized horses. <laughs> uh, um, I'm going to go five Lopez Lemong sized horses. Uh, horses look pretty big. Like, horses are pretty, pretty hefty creatures. And uh, yeah. I, I just, I can't imagine. Like, Lopez Lemong is a tank as it is. Yeah. And then making him. Like into, a horse. Yeah. Gosh. Even maintaining his size, I'm still going one horse size Lopez Lemong. Yeah, I'm still going to go the five Lopez Lemong sized horses. 
Yeah, I'm that's gonna, tough though. I'm gonna go with the one horse size Lopez Lamong. That oh, that really? guy is a beast. <laughs> like, yeah, I, that's true. Uh, put him as a horse. I yeah, I, I'm not I'm not taking him against the even with five. Uh, oh, Lopez Lamong weird horses. questions. You guys know who you are, by the way. <laughs> Don't. Yeah, we we know who you are. Don't we're not forgetting uh, about you guys. Oh my so. gosh. Wow. All right. Well, uh, I'm a little loopy. Um, I think this is probably a good good time to end the podcast. Um, Thank you again for all the questions. We really do appreciate it. Um, uh, If you guys can continue to rate and review on Apple Podcasts, spread the word, let everybody know to listen to the Blue Oval Podcast, to go to thestridereport.com. Garrett, what should they look for this week? Uh man, we've got D2 regional previews, Coloss projections, our updated rankings are now up. We may actually have another commit uh, coming, some updated data sets, some other cool articles. I know I've got one from Sam Ivanecki in the drafts, in the works. Guys, we've got so much going on. So just go to the site, tell your friends, tell your dog, tell your cat, tell everyone you can. So uh, let, let's, let's do that. Appreciate all the support and uh, that's all I got. Yeah, absolutely. And on one final note, the Sixers are beating the Suns 62 to 55. Not, if you just jinxed us, I'm going to be so upset. <laughs> John, the Suns are going to lose. I don't care. I don't believe that I'm going to jinx it. Did you the just Embiid, put this into a podcast? The Embiidless Sixers are going to win. I cannot wait to trash talk John tomorrow on the group chat. And on that final note, if I jinx this, please edit this out tonight, Garrett. No. But... I will talk to you next week. It's a good conversation. We will have plenty to talk to you next plenty of things to talk about next week. 